I don't know what our next step is. I don't know if we're going to be moving eight more times to eight more houses. Um, I don't know if this is, this isn't our last move. We, this isn't the home we're going to be in forever, but I really believe that there's something, there's like a truth in this that I'm going to be able to learn from asking those type questions to, um, to someone who's done this before me. And I think there's going to be something that I can learn that can take me through the next few stages in life and different because we're always going through some type of some type of transition whether it's moving a house or like you said the death of a family member or a new child or we're always going through transitions you know just trusting god that if if if, you know if jesus walked this planet with friends then it's his desire for us to do the same and so if we're in a season of having um, if, if we're in a season where our friendship land, landscape looks really bleak, then just prayerfully saying, okay, God, what do you want to show me during this time? What is it you're wanting to give me right now? And then praying still for him to put um, kind, encouraging women in your path um, to become friends with, and then also for your kids to become to become friends with, because he does care about that. He, he wants you to have community that really feeds you and that doesn't drain you. So just being um, prayerful in in um, asking, asking for that. You're listening to episode 97 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today we have our second installment in the That's Me features. Now, with the last That's Me episode, I welcomed a listener on who'd reached out to me about an issue with um, whether she stayed home or not. You can check that out. That's episode 95. Today, I am bringing this back with a listener who is struggling with change. Uh, Jenny from Chicago has three young children, and she is going to get some advice from Kristen Strong, who has written a book called Girl Meets Change. Kristen has three grown children. They're in uh, junior high, high school, and she uh, writes over at ChasingBlueSkies.net. Now, Unlike the first That's Me episode, in this episode, I actually mash up, mix up, intertwine the two conversations. So you'll hear a little bit about Jenny's background, a little bit about Kristen's background, and then you'll hear three questions that Jenny had for Kristen. You'll hear the question, the answer, then the question, the answer, and then we'll talk about friendships. How do extroverts versus introverts deal with meeting new people? Jenny has some great practical tips if you are moving near the end of this episode. Overall, these are some adorable gals, and I just really enjoyed talking with them. And I'd be fine if either one moved to Dallas. Really, truly. I'm also excited to introduce y'all to this week's podcast sponsor, Picturing Scripture. So Picturing Scripture is an elegant, hardbound book full of Bible art and inspiring devotionals. And it's perfect for holiday gifts or your very own coffee table. Each piece of art was created by the design team at Faith Life Corporations, and then it's paired with a devotional. The result is a stunning collection of art and inspiration that illuminates the words of Scripture. So reserve your copy today and maybe a few more for holiday gifts. Go over to Kickstarter and then search for Picturing Scripture, and these books will arrive on your doorstep in time for Christmas. I am also going to put a link to Picturing Scripture over in the show notes, and you can check out. I am going to have a piece of art from their collection over on that blog post, too. I'm excited to share the wisdom from Kristen and the insight from Jenny, so let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jenny. Welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you reached out to me, and we're willing 
to be the second guest on the That's Me uh, feature that we've been doing. So I'm so happy to get to share your story with everyone listening and for them to kind of learn from you and learn from our mentor who'll be coming on. So tell everybody so they can get familiar with your story. Tell them about your husband, your kids, a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, my name is Jenny um, and I am married to Patrick. We've been married for six and a half years and we have three children. So Maggie is our oldest. She's four. And then Jude is our middle little guy and he's two. And then our baby, who's one, is Trip. So that's um, my little family. So you are another mom, like our last guest, Annette, who has three little kids, really little. Very, yes, and very, very close together. Very close together. Yeah, that two and one. That's like really close. <laughs> I was like, I started to sweat a little bit. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes me you a little know, bit nervous. I'm, we're like, he's like 18 months now, so we're okay. kind of coming out of that. Like, okay, the, I, okay. He's, he, to feel he's this communicating. Now. Is that, yes, you know, that whole, yes. I was just talking to a friend whose fourth is 15 months. And she's like, girl, it's a whirlwind. And she can't communicate, so she just screeches. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is a really – they're super cute, but they're, it's super hard, that little it really, stage. really is. Yeah, yeah. People don't talk about that little 15-month to 18-month stage much. <laughs> but that's a little bit of a – hold on, everybody. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, so you reached out to me, um, one, just to be sweet and – offer encouragement, which I always appreciate. But then you kind of mentioned a little bit about your story and how you've spent the last six years of your marriage. Um, It really reminded me my first five years of marriage at a similar situation every year, Mm -hmm. moving to a new place. So tell everybody a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, Patrick and I are are from the same hometown, so a little small town in Tennessee, and um, we actually grew up together and didn't end up dating until college. It's really a fun story, but that's for another time. Um, But we, when we got married, we moved to Nashville um, to be a part of a church plant there. And so we were a couple of the first of our family members really to move away um, from home. And um, so we moved to Nashville, started planning a church, had um, our first daughter, Maggie. Um, our first child, Maggie. And um, when she was about one, we kind of felt um, the Holy Spirit just saying, reevaluate where you are. So we prayed and really felt like God was calling us to move back to our hometown mm-hmm. for a little while because we, it's so funny, Patrick and I, so we spent time separately praying. And when we came back together um, to talk about like what God had revealed to us during that week of prayer and, and fasting, He had kind of given us the same vision of I'm going to I'm going to take you somewhere that's further away from your from your family than Nashville. So um so I want you to go back to your hometown for a little while and spend time with your family. Mm. It could be a year, it could be 10 years, but we knew we needed to go back and really invest in our family for a while. So we moved back to our hometown and we were there for one year. We had our second um, child that, that year and then moved um, to Chicago a year later, um, which was eight hours away from our family. Mm. Um, and so since then we have, um, we've been here and in the midst of being in Nashville and then even in our hometown and now in Chicago, we lived in several different homes in each of those places. So since we've been in Chicago, we've, we've lived in three different homes since we've been here. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 
Yes. <laughs> so lots, lots and lots, lots of transition. Yeah. Um, lots of things that are changing. Oh, and then we had Trip, our third baby, when we moved here to Chicago. So my mom says that we like to like have a baby and then move. Because <laughs> like, it's not hard enough. Yeah. It's not hard enough. <laughs> Let's keep it crazy. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Oh, thank you, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. And you're part of this new thing we're doing, the That's Me feature. So thank you for being willing to experiment with us. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. It's a wonderful concept, a wonderful way to, I think, really speak into the lives of, of moms and, and women. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people dealing with different things, but then there's also a commonality and our struggles. And so this episode about moving a lot, someone may not be actually physically moving a lot, but they may be in a, a, a season of change, whether it's um, a death of a parent or a sick child. There's something that's different in their life and unsettling. And so I was excited to have you on the show with your book that recently came out about change. And um, before we get into all that, I'd love if you'd introduce your family to everyone listening. Oh, sure. Well, I um, am the mom of three children, um, two twins that are 16 twin sons, James oh and Ethan. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yes. So we're learning how to drive and, oh, goodness, do all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they do that. Oh, my goodness. I can't, I can't I, even go there yet. No, I okay. know. It's crazy. Because 10 minutes ago, I swear I dropped them off at kindergarten. But <laughs> oh. Talk <laughs> but about anyway. change. Talk about yes. change. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Um, and then I also have a daughter, Faith, who is 12 years old and been married. My husband and I celebrated our 20th anniversary in June. So um, been married for 20 years to him. And um, he is he was an Air Force officer until he retired last year. So um, he was active duty about, well, 23 years, tw 26 technically, if you count his time in, in the uh, reserves. But um, we were married for uh, 20 of those years. So most of your marriage has been him. Yeah. In active service. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. That's true. Yes, ma'am. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so as part of that story, which, you know, the classic military wife role, how many places have you moved? What? Tell us a little bit about that part of your story. We moved, well, we've lived in 10 different homes okay. within, you know, within um, that that time period. We moved... Um, five different locations, I believe. Um, I, I always have to count. Um, I think it, I think it's five. And my husband had a few under his belt when I met him. So he, he got an early start. Yeah. Um, he was down in, uh, in, uh, uh, Mississippi and he actually was stationed in England, but we lived, um, we lived in Ohio on two different assignments. We lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We lived in Hawaii and now we are in Colorado Springs. So I haven't moved nearly as much as a lot of military. There's a lot of folks, especially army folks that, you know, they are consistently every two years moving, moving, moving. Um, but we, um, we did, we moved a lot for me, especially contrasted to my growing up years, growing up in the same house, the same, um, you know, location, the same small town surrounded by a really deep well of extended family. In fact, I grew up on O'Neill Lane. O'Neill is my maiden name and everybody who lived on O'Neill Lane, their last name was O'Neill too. Okay. <laughs> so. I have total goosebumps because you don't <laughs> even know this, but the gal Jenny that I just interviewed, 
she had the same situation, not the same street name going with, you know, but her, she grew up the same place, the same family, surrounded by extended family, very, very close to all that. So, wow, I love that God led me to talk to you because you can speak into Um, this when our past and our story doesn't match up with the story we're handing our kids. Exactly. It's exactly the same. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, I would love to jump in to some of her questions then, because I can't wait to hear the wisdom you've learned in all of that moving and coming from that background. So her first question was, so how can I embrace the tension of not giving my children the life I grew up with? Mm -hmm. So for example, that, you know, traditions or I knew my family really, really well, Mm -hmm. my extended family, my cousins and my kids don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of what I had, I have a, I have a very deep gratitude for my family. So that question again, how can I embrace the attention of not giving my children the life I grew up with? Because your oldest daughter has lived how many places? She's lived seven places and she's four and seven homes. Yeah. So three cities, seven homes. And just the concern of what does that look like for her? Because it's not your experience. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm, I know that is so hard because you, she is, Jenny is living the polar opposite of, of um, what she grew up with. So there's a lot of familiarity in what she grew up with and now how to give her kids the same sense of um, traditions and the, just the same sense of appreciation for family that can weigh on a heart when you, when your experiences are going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I guess um, one thing that I've loved is realizing that, you know, you can embrace that tension of, of realizing this and, and, and embracing the unique benefits of growing up in a place where you don't know everyone. One, and know that this does not take away from the experiences of those who do. Mm. Um, I notice with my children, they very much have a worldview that that exists beyond their driveway and, and a real empathy and compassion that comes from being outside their comfort zone a, a lot. Mm. Now, of course, to say that, you know, I certainly don't ever imply that those that do live in the same place have no empathy or compassion. I mean, I grew up with empathy and compassion. It wasn't gone, but there, it, it is learned, I guess, at a quicker, deeper, younger level. I feel like when you have, when you have children and you're changing environments, um, um, every so often. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about with, with one son, one of my sons was telling me the story. This was when he was in eighth grade. So kind of towards the end, well, his last year of middle school. And he was telling a story and I don't even remember the main point of his story, but he said in passing, oh, mom, when I was in the lunchroom the other day and I invited um, the new kid, Bruno, to sit at our table and we were going to. And so the point of the story mm-hmm. was they were going to do, but he just glossed right over the fact that he invited the new kid to his table Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think unless you are one of those who has been the new kid a lot, you don't always have that appreciation to look out for the new kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing is um, I just loved the, the the heart of empathy and compassion that I've really seen instilled in my kids um, and the resiliency that just comes from a lifestyle of having to change and pick up roots every so often. Um, you know, I, I feel also, you know, um, having a, a, a deep uh gratitude for family can can look look um positive but in different ways there's not just one way to have a deep gratitude for family mm-hmm. um I, I feel like with um our moves and with our being thrown in different environments 
our nuclear family, because we are sometimes the only constant that's moving around with these, with our, with our kiddos, we are particularly strong mm. uh, because of that. Yeah. And, and so, yes, we, there, there's certainly the loss of getting to, um, experience every birthday with the grandparents, um, every, um, special occasion with aunts and uncles. And, you know, that, that is a, that is a loss. Um, but there is also, I feel like a, um, a, a, just a real cohesive togetherness to our family, to our nuclear family, um, because, you know, we, we are just kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, um, you know, so I guess that if I wanted to give some hope to, to Jenny, it would be, um, to realize that God is going to redeem all of that and let you have, um, the, the close, um, family relationships in spite of not living super close to your, um, family of origin. And, you know, as far as the traditions go, you know, traditions can travel with you. You know, if you had special ones from your families growing from your family growing up, um, you can bring those right along with you. That's the beautiful thing about traditions. They can travel and, yeah. you know, they, they may not look exactly the same way, but you can make them to fit your um, your family's unique um, lifestyle and interests and and whatnot. I think those are all really awesome points that just because just because you you're missing out on the extended family doesn't take away from your high value of family you're just exactly. putting the high value of family on your nuclear family and and again yeah exactly you can take those traditions with you and just integrate them so the next question was what are some ways that that you whoever i think whoever the person is you're gonna ask so what are some ways that that they created a sense of home and stability mm, that's that's a really good question how and i think that applies to all of us you know, whether you've moved a lot or, you know, maybe you didn't have a stable home. You know what I mean? Like as far as like uh, you've never seen it modeled for you. And so, exactly. yeah, yeah. Tips, All yeah. right. Yeah. You know, um, I, kind of piggybacking on what we talked at the end of the last question. Yeah. I feel like those traditions really ease transitions. So mm, that's a good we, phrase. That's yeah. a tweetable right there. <laughs> Way to go, Kristen. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that is something I've really learned is, and, 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 and I look at that in two different ways. I look at it as daily traditions and then, you know, seasonal traditions, because when tradition, you know, when transitions throw you in a loop, traditions really help steady you. They really create landmarks, uh, that, that provide a predictable, steady rhythm to your days and, and also your season. So for us, um, um, I know Jenny has little ones and a lot of your listeners probably do too. You know, our daily traditions, especially when they were little, um, were evening devotionals and bedtime stories. Mm, um, you yeah. know, that is, was just sort of a hallmark of our evening of our wind down time. Now we still, um, do devos as a family when we can, but with older kids mean later schedules. And so, you know, sometimes we don't get it, we don't get them in, but, but then, you know, we, we'll, I, I have the kids start the day with a Devo and, you know, they can just a five minute little thing, they can make time for it in their early morning. Um, and then, you know, we do still do, I don't read them stories at bedtime. They read their own stories, but you know, there's still a talking with them that the teenagers, for whatever reason, when they really come alive, is it about 10 or 10 30? That's, <laughs> I've heard that's this. 
that's when they want to debrief all the big, oh all the God. big feelings and all the big emotions. And, and certainly I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, but, um, you know, my point just being that the traditions, um, look a little bit different with your kids' growing, growing season. So, so daily, you know, whatever that is, um, evening devotionals, if you, um, have a, a you know, a nap time and you do this particular, you know, have it around this time, the steady time of day, those, um, um, those traditions just really help provide a landmark to your day and help, um, give, give just a steady rhythm to it. Now, you know, seasonal. I'm gonna, oh, one second. I, I don't think I would have ever considered that a tradition, but that is so smart. That is a really stabling point for our kids to have those as and call it a tradition. That's our tradition is we read books at bedtime or we do a family devo. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, even like after school, if your tradition yeah. is, you know, the kids get home and you have a little snack for yeah. them or, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to, you know, be something be that you find yeah. yeah, complex or it has to be, you know, pretty on Pinterest. It's just <laughs> what works, you know, for your people. Yeah, that's and, good. Okay. So and, what's seasonal? So seasonally, you know, whatever birth, you know, for example, birthday traditions, Christmas traditions can be done regardless of the environment. So, you know, like for Christmas, we always on Christmas Eve, um, you know, read Luke 2. We read the night before Christmas and have hot chocolate. And we've just done that since they were a little bitty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for their birthday, this is just something weird we do. But <laughs> we, we, we tie a string to the end of their bed. So when they wake up on their birthday, they follow the string to find a present hiding somewhere. So, oh, I love that. That's so adorable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just a fun little thing that we do every, every birthday. And, um, you know, so of course yours doesn't have to, to be that at all, but whatever is just a neat little tradition you do or something you want to pass on or something you read that sounds like a good idea, but just continuing with that each year, you know, or at least, you know, most of the, most of the years, um, um, really I think helps give kids a sense of, um, a sense of family, a, a sense of, of what to expect in a sense of just a found a solid foundation amidst amidst the transitions. Yeah. So that's a great lead into the next question. What does it look like to give your kids a solid foundation as you're in the midst of transition? Those traditions help with our ongoing stability in a new place. But when you're in the midst of like packing up boxes and unpacking boxes and it's feeling really unsettled or yeah. You do have the sick child that's in the hospital or the parent that's died and you're right. grieving and you're not really able to even do those daily traditions like you right. might do. How right. do you provide some stability in those seasons of transition? Well, you know, I guess I think of there's big picture things and then just some small um, picture things you can think about. You know, big picture, I would say, is, you know, children take their cues from us. You know, if yeah. um, generally, especially moms, we can, you know, kind of set the tone for the whole household. Yeah. And well, dad, dad certainly can, too. But <laughs> But, you know, the parents really both do. So, you know, I think we grownups just have to find a way to walk the line of allowing our children to have a safe place to open up about their hard stuff while maintaining, you know, the fact that everything will will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we will, it won't always feel like it does right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so be a solid but reliable place for them to land and one they can count on not to overreact to their hard feelings and moments oh, yeah. about change. Because I know I, I have been so guilty of this, you know, I, I grieve on a particular timeline and I expect those under my roof to agree, to grieve on the exact same timeline. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, if you're, if, 
you know, that if my, my daughter is um, really upset about, uh, about something, um, you know, she, she had an accident a while back and had to have surgery. Mm. Um, well, not necessarily an accident. It, it was a, a problem with her spine was born was, she may have been born with this, um, this uh, deformity or it may have resulted from a fall she had when she was younger, but basically um, she had to have um, neck surgery and she was in gymnastics at the time and had, she had to say goodbye to gymnastics and all high risk sports. And she mm-hmm. loved gymnastics. So this was a big blow to her. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, after the first few months fought, had to, fight the urge to tell her to pick herself up by her size mm-hmm. two little boots and, <laughs> you know, move on. But, um, but kids, you know, re- they grieve on their own timeline and God respects that. He doesn't make us all get over something at the same time. He's just with us as we get through it. So, um, resisting the urge to tell our kids to, you know, um, stop whining, you know, move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, certainly there does come a time where we need to be able to have a more hopeful view and not just sink in despair, but you know, it may take our kids a little bit longer than it takes us. And we need to be okay with that. So, and I'm a big, um, encourager of, of allowing my kids to process out loud what they're th- saying, what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was saying earlier about being that soft place to land for them. So during seasons of change, just letting them, um, just letting what they're thinking and feeling, letting them say that out loud goes mm-hmm. a long way towards helping little ones make sense of it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, and by the same token, you know, I have two kids that are real verbal and one is not, he would just act out. He, you know, will oh, act in out. his behavior would show. Yeah. In his yeah. behavior. So, yeah. So also cutting them some slack and, you know, certainly holding them accountable to appropriate behavior, but knowing, okay, this is why it's happening. So it doesn't excuse what you're doing, but it does explain it. And it does help me be able to come up with a better plan to help you deal with it. Because it's going to be a high stress time for you. Like as you're just trying to live regular life, get everyone where they're supposed to be normally and feed them still and do laundry still and make the transition, you know, switching out bills and you know, shedding, right. that, getting driver's license and unpacking yes. boxes. There's just so many extra tasks when you're act physically moving or, like I said, the other different kinds of transitions we have. I think that's where the stress comes from is our brain is so full. And so then when our children require more of us and it yes. adds to the to-do list, yes. our patience for them is just so little. And so exactly. I think that is good advice to pay attention to their needs are coming out in ways that may not be like, Hey mom, I'm sad too. It's right. going to be like, they won't put their shoes on when you ask or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, they're just picking on their brother. brother yes. Every, every yes. little thing, you know, yes. just, you know, there is a, there is a reason behind it. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think too, if no matter what your change is, whether you're, you know, physically moving to a different location or just figuratively in a different location from, yeah. you know, stage. like you had mentioned, yeah. yes, yeah. the life stage has changed yeah. and whatever brought that on. Um, really, Really um, using that opportunity to point our little ones to, to Jesus and know that, you know, we live in the belief that Christ always, always, always has our best interest in mind. So if we are in this new place, it's not just to mess with us. It's not because he's just trying to pick on us and, and make us unhappy. It's because it's ultimately in our best interest. And we will see one day how being brought here um, has places us in a better place than we were before. And, you know, so, you know, I do try to, um, you know, 
use that opportunity to point to point them to Christ and how he's always for us and not against us. That's really good. I think there's so much of a desire inbred in us for comfort and convenience and control and moving or change and all that is goes against that natural bend sometimes. And, yeah. and I think that's part of what you said in answering the first question that you see um, your children less tied to comfort and convenience be- because right. they're then willing to reach out to the new kid and right. um, they can and- see how God works outside of that comfort. Yeah. And it's something they just naturally do. Like they don't have to think Mm -hmm. about it. I still, I mean, I still every once in a while have to think, oh, you know, I'm sitting here talking with all these people I know. Mm -hmm. There's that girl over there by herself. Maybe it would be nice to bring her in, you know, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, and my kids, they just automatically do it. They, They don't have to think, oh, this would be the right thing to do. And then I'll do it. They just do it. So, um, and not to say, I mean, there's, you know, not to say they don't make their poor choices. Here and <laughs> no, you have perfect children. Like no. everyone, everyone. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> they're adorable. Not at all. But as, as far as finding the positives with living a lifestyle with lots of change and transition, yeah. um, you know, that is, that is definitely a glaring one. And, and, you know, Heather, I was going to also say, if it's okay, yeah. um, a couple of small practical ways I, um, you know, help give the kids a solid foundation when you're in the middle of the packing boxes and what, what have you. A couple things we found that was, that helped our children is to sort of, um, before the transit, before you've, before you've changed locations, investigate and learn as much as you can about that new place. Mm. Um, you know, check out books from the library about it, or, you know, now you can, certainly you can look up on the internet and read about it and then get them kind of excited for some things that they do, they can do there. So then once you get there, you can kind of give them a little bit of control and say, okay, you know, we're going to play tourists today. What should we go to the zoo or should we just check out this park and sort of let them have some, some control in, in what you're going to do to, to, to help your family become more settled into that fam, to that environment. So you sound to me like an outgoing person. Mm-hmm. Is that true? So, <laughs> is, yeah. so some people, the moving thing is a challenging because, um, joining into a new community is the challenge. Getting connected is the challenge. Do you find that to be a challenge for you? You know, Patrick and I are both um, very, very extroverted people um, and have have been learning a lot about ourselves this past year. And so that actually is not super difficult. Um, I'll speak for myself personally. That's not not super difficult for me um, just to jump in to into a community. So no, I don't find that to be difficult for me. Because sometimes the wife... um because it, especially with three young kids and if you're staying home full time, the your husband could be out and meeting people in his job and then mm-hmm. you're at home with three young kids and your kids aren't in school yet. And so you're not – there's not an easy connection point. And so um, I don't know. I don't know if you have – kind of going off our original plan. But if you have okay. advice on like what you found to work, I know you're – you're saying you're an extrovert, but like what has helped you when you've moved to a new place and you have young children to get connected? So, um, I would say the first two places we lived, I kind of had some connection before I had children. Mm. So I, I worked full time, um, when I first had Maggie. So, you know, I had that, I've had that at my work. Um, but then when we moved to Chicago, it was different because that's when I actually started staying home full time. Yeah. And so, I, um, how I did that 
here and how I got connected was I found a mom's group here. And it happened to be through our church. Um, another person invited me through our church. And, and I guess I say it's easy, um, but I guess I should also add, it was really interesting when we moved here to Chicago, no one knew us, um, like no one. And so I remember having this moment of, I mean, I could be anybody, you know, I, I, I can, I could start over. I can, um, I I don't know. I just, it was kind of this weird feeling like nobody knows me, you know, no one. Um, and it really, I feel like it caused, um, a lot of stirring in my spirit of like who God, um, who God made me to be and how God wired me. So that was really an interesting part. So, so that part was a little difficult, a lot, like working through who I was and kind of how God made me and bringing my whole self into this community of other moms. Yeah. So sometimes change and uh, moving away from our comfort zones of family and identity can reveal where am I finding my identity? Mm-hmm. And as a believer, the goal is that we find our identity in Christ, but like you're saying, if we grow up in that same hometown or our spouse is from the hometown and there's comfort and there's friends, we can kind of unknowingly find our identity in those things. Yes. So the positive side of moving, <laughs> if someone <laughs> is in that place and struggling, is uh, to really lean in to God. So how did he reveal that to you? What things did you do? to discover how he made you? Hmm. Um, I think it started with just an unsettling in my spirit. And so, um, gosh, that's a really good question. I haven't, I haven't really thought about a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It was very much a process. Was it like um, time with him, like alone time with him or was there, um, any kind of books or I don't know, someone yeah, speaking yeah, into yeah, your life? Yeah. Um, so I had two, um, little babies then. So I I actually don't feel like I did a great job of spending just a lot of alone time with the Lord, but I do remember doing a lot of journaling and the church we're a part of here in Chicago just does a really good job of, um, of really pushing so that you can be the best um, you that God created you to be. So I feel like they continued to give us resources. And it honestly felt like every Sunday I would listen to the sermon about your passions and your gifting and how they aligned and who God created you to be. So honestly, it was just me taking all these little different pieces. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram, but that was a huge um, piece of learning about myself and how God wired me. Um, And it's a, I love that tool and it's free online. Yeah. I mean, you can, so it's great. Um, it's just another one of those like personality, like, you know, the Myers-Briggs or, um, my husband and I actually this Sunday are teaching at our church. Our church is having this big, like get to know who you are and your gifts so that you can give through God's spirit, give back, um, to others this holiday season. But, uh, strength finders is what we're going to teach on. And, um, I think all of those tools and the Enneagram is really cool because it shows what happens when you're stressed. (laughs) Right. Doesn't Mm -hmm. it? And like how you can shift, which I feel like sometimes with Myers-Briggs, it's like you're this person of these 16 people. (laughs) I'm like, no, there's so much more variety in the world. So much more color. I know. know. And it's cool how it shows you what drives you, kind of what motivates you instead of a personality. So I like that. Um, So that was that was a huge tool for me is is taking that and taking those things and then also taking that before the Lord then and saying, okay, God, so this is what I'm learning. So what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what did you find about yourself? I'm just curious. Oh yeah, totally. Um, well I, um, 
I'm very much an, a struggling and a growing people pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. um, I've kind of always known that about myself. But um, what I learned is that I really, truly am an extrovert. And in the sense, and when I say that word, I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't need alone time. It doesn't mean that I'm not good going into deep conversations. It just means that when I am around a group of people, it fuels me instead of drains me. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean when I say that word. So being around a group of people is very filling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And do you enjoy meeting new people? Like if you go to a party, would you be drawn to the couple of people that you already know well from your mom's group or would you head to the new person? So that's changed a little bit. I think in the last um, last couple of years, yeah. learning um, just to, you know about my people pleasing nature, kind of what's the drive to push me towards those new people? Mm-hmm. Is it you know, is it um, more about me or is it really about them? So um, I, I think I'm a little bit of both in that. It's I think I would probably go to the new people to connect them to my people. Yeah. Does that make sense? To be the connector. Yeah. To be the connector. Yes. Do totally. you find I, I kind of I grew up in the same town like you same people mm-hmm. live in the exact same house for 18 years. Yes. And so then I get married and we move every year for five years, like out to California, Chicago, all out Texas now. And like, I have such a heart and an empathy for the new girl that yes. I never had before. I was such a clicky person before. And now I'm all about like, um, wanting to grab the outsider and invite her in. Um, I would, Totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that opened up for you since moving? Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I have always loved people. Yeah. My parents say that they would take me to the beach when I was a kid and I would literally bring kids from down, you know, down the way and say, mom, this is my new friend. Like I was <laughs> constantly meeting new people. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how God wired me and then where he has me now. Yeah in our family. Um, but I definitely think that's truth. It's that connection piece that, um, now I want to connect them. If I meet somebody new, I want to connect them to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Cause maybe, I mean, I think the struggle with extroverts sometimes is, I don't know if you feel this, but I feel like, um, the other person may want to be closer friends than I have time allotted to give. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if I can connect that person with another friend, I know that is better at giving time. <laughs> that I find yes. that they, okay, oh, you need a friend and you're really good at being a friend. Y'all can be friends. <laughs> this is perfect. It's perfect. Like, like a matchmaker, yeah. like a friend matchmaker. <laughs> like, oh, I see common interests yeah. here. Let's put you all together. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Do you have any tips? I know this wasn't one of Jenny's questions. She kind of communicated that she didn't struggle in the making friends when she moved to a new place because she was more extroverted. And you mentioned to me um, that you tend more towards introverted to get re-energized. I know you're very outgoing. What tips do you have, though, for the person who is introverted and struggling, Mm -hmm. maybe has young children and they're stuck at home, and so that can feel Uh isolating. Uh, Their kids aren't even in school yet, so there's not that natural meeting of people. What what tips did you find helpful in meeting people? You know, I think of in terms of um, open up, show up, and pray up. So oh, that's good. I know when I I can think of a particular our our second time we moved to the Dayton Ohio area, and my husband at that time actually was in um, school, um, getting a, getting a, an advanced degree, and he was studying all the time. And I had two five year olds and a one year old, and <laughs> I I really wanted to just make a sign and stand in my front yard and said, "Desperate woman seeks friends." <laughs> 
it was so hard for me to make friends um, in more than one place. But in this assignment, I think because my children were so young and like you said, it's, it's not always easy to get out. So show up, open up um, and, or open up, show up and pray up. So open up looked like for me, opening up my house. Mm. I, you know, if I can't um, necessarily um, count on, you know, invitations to do this or that, I can invite people into my house and, be the place that perhaps, um, you know, moms with kids and then be, you know, be the place where um, my kids can maybe begin to form some relationships as well as me form some relationships. So I have invited um, many people that I just barely met <laughs> to my house. Um, one mom, she, she and I kept showing up at the park at the same time. So I invited her and she and I are actually still very good friends and her daughters were great friends, are still great friends with my daughter. Um, I, I, and I, let me say this too, that the worst thing that can happen is when you invite people over and nobody shows up. <laughs> and I, I had that happen on two different occasions. <laughs> and so mm. I survived though. I mean, that's not fun and you feel kind of like a big dumb loser, but, <laughs> but you know, I survived and, yeah. you know, you moved on and you, and you would too, if that happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah. so that's open up, show up, show up where there are women. <laughs> so, you know, when my kids were little, that looked like, um, Barnes and Noble story time or the library story mm. time. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, um, kind of showing up regularly there and you run into other women who are showing up regularly there. Mm, that's smart. Okay. And then church was a big place for me to meet, for me to meet women too, and to try to linger after the service and, mm. and talk with people, not just sort of do the mad dash <laughs> yeah. to, get the, <laughs> to get the kids and get home. Yeah. And, um, so that's showing up, showing up where there are other people. And then just praying up is, you know, just trusting God that if, if, if you know, if Jesus walked this planet with friends, then it's his desire for us to do the same. Mm-hmm. And so if we're in a season of having, um, if, if we're in a season where our friendship land, landscape looks really bleak, then just prayerfully saying, okay, God, what do you want to show me during this time? What is it you're wanting to give me right now? And then praying still for him to put um, kind, encouraging women in your path um, to become friends with. And then also for your kids to become, to become friends with, because he does care about that. He, he wants you to have community that really feeds you and that doesn't drain you. So just being um, prayerful in, in um, asking, asking for that. I think that's so true and very good. Anytime I meet someone and they tell me that they are lonely or without friends, we immediately start praying because I do, I agree with you. That's Mm -hmm. God does not desire us to be alone, um, but an enemy does. So he wants to isolate us. And um, in a world of social media, we can sometimes get that connection fixed, that's not actually yes. meeting the need. And exactly. Yeah. So I think um, I think that is really those are good. Open up, show up, pray up. Yeah, I was like, I think I, I don't know. I don't know what our next step is. I don't know if we're going to be moving eight more times to eight more houses. Um, I don't know if this is this isn't our last move. We this isn't the home we're going to be in forever. But I really believe that there's something. There's like a truth in this that I'm going to be able to learn from asking those type questions to, um, to someone who's done this before me. And I think there's going to be something that I can learn that can take me through the next few stages in life and different, because we're always going through some type of, some type of transition, whether it's moving a house or like you said, the death of a family member or a new child, or we're always going through transitions. 
Yeah, I think I think you really nailed on the head. Like this is um, something we learn, like truths that we can hold on to no matter what God has in our future. Like there's some change is inevitable, right? Oh my, change. yes. And then once you think you have it figured out, then something changes, yeah. you know, it's like a newborn. Yeah. Like, oh, we're on this great schedule. Oh, wait, no, no, <laughs> hitting their tooth, you know? <laughs> and not that we need a fear. Like I've, you know, some people are like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like something I, they've experienced so much hard or change that it starts to become, um, that, that they get on guard, like what's going to change next. Like I can't enjoy this because I'm so in fear that something's going to happen. Um, but yes. I think that the, the more you do it and the more you're, you've been exposed to it, your faith has increased. Mm-hmm. And again, like you already said, God has shown you who you are in him. That, right. That's huge. That's huge. Oh, and you told me that um, now if you found out you were moving tomorrow, you'd be like, all right, let's do this. Right. Let's go. I'm ready. Totally. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, now, if God said we had to move away from this like community that we're in, it'd be a different story. But moving to a different house, yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Okay. And you had kind of listed some great tips that I have several friends moving into new houses, making that transition. So, what are your tips that you have? Oh, girl. Let me. Let me. Okay. What were my tips? You had something about don't pack too early. Oh, oh, don't even dare. No. What's the, why would you say that? Cause I'm not, I'm not a prepared person anyway, so I wouldn't, but like, why, why would you not? I know. I think most of the stuff I learn is because I don't do it on purpose. And then I realize, <laughs> oh, I think that was a good idea. That was a really good so, idea. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just learned that if you pack too early, there's always going to be stuff that you need actually out. Right. Mm. So if you pack stuff way too early, then you forget where you've even put it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, or at least I would, because I'm not one who totally labels the boxes and stuff. So I'm still looking for that email where I wrote down exactly what I said. But <laughs> yeah, so if you if you pack too early, then you're not going to know where things are. Yeah. You know, so keep stuff out for your kitchen. Um, keep stuff out for your kids. But I felt like that one room at a time thing really worked for me. And just. Get somebody to take your children if you can mm-hmm. and get it, knock it out in just a few days, you know? That's good. What about unpack at your own pace? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, that, that's that been a huge one for me. I am um, – I love to get my home really feeling like home mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Just it get – I kind of turn into a crazy woman when things are like – out of well, if you saw what I was looking at right now, my house is very out of order. However, <laughs> it is Friday. It, it's, you know, it's Friday. Yeah, but I do. I kind of, it actually like weighs on me. But I think there's a sense in if I put so much pressure on myself to get everything done um, and get everything perfect, it's just not realistic. And so pack at your own pace, really. If you're someone who needs to get it done, then push through and, and get it done. Call people. I think that is huge in moving. Yeah. Call people. People yeah. want to help. So people like it, you can get people to help you packing, but then you get on the other side and that can be pe- feel pretty lonely. If you move to a new town, you're mm-hmm. unpacking by yourself. Yeah. I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. we've been super grateful um, because our parents have kind of always come and helped us in that unpacking process. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when we moved to Chicago, I just, my mom and stepdad came, which was, which was huge. So, so for maybe for the person who doesn't have that, um, think about what community are you moving into? You know, we moved here for, for Patrick's job, which happens to be at a church. So, um, 
we were able to reach out to a couple of the people there just to say, hey, can you can you meet us there when it's time to unload the U-Haul, you know? And not and, be scared to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And not be scared because you, my mom was always good to say, well, you would want someone to ask you, wouldn't you? So if you make yourself that person who says, hey, I, I'm going to ask you this, but would you also feel free to ask me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to promise Promise to, mm-hmm. promise yeah. oh, to take totally. me up on it. Yeah. Okay. So you say get your kitchen in order and your family room settled. And that's where you would start if you're unpacking. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I we cook um, a lot. Yeah. And just, we're just not huge out to eater people. Is that even out to word? eater. I think it's a good word. We're not out to eaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, on a shirt. Um, it's on a shirt yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Gotta be. Um, so yeah, we that that's the one of the first things. And I think my grandmother told me that when we were moving. She is so precious. She would actually, when we were moving, when we were close enough to her, she would take me out um for our gro- first like grocery store trip because she'd say, You know, Jenny, you need your staples. Oh. You know, so we gotta get your kitchen ready. So it was just, oh, you know, having those sweet. fun little little um little parts. So those are the things that I want to do now when I get to a new house. Well, I've got to get my staples, Patrick. Excuse <laughs> oh. me. The store trip, you know? Oh, I love your family. I, you're really blessed. That is very uh, sweet. I, I am super grateful. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm hoping this, I'm hoping that the yeah. answer, you know, I, it's so deeply rooted in me and I want that for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, so, and, and like you'd said, um, Wait, let's do our tips. But I know I want to. I'm all over the place. Like you said, though, that in our culture, in our day and age, people are so transitional. And Mm -hmm. so I think that experience is so rare Mm -hmm. unless you're in a rural community and that's just people just stay. But in general, people move around and you don't grow up where your parents are. Like, you know, I grew up. I grew up where my parents, my my parents, my grandparents, both sides were. Yeah. That's just what I knew. And, um, yeah, my kids don't know that experience. What they know, what's different, is they know when their grandparents are here, they're 100% here for them. It's good. So it's it's not like we're in the same town and we might see each other on a regular basis. This is like when they're here, it's like all about them. So they're having some deep, good memories that they've made, um, you know, just by being really intentional about that. But Okay, back to your tips. Unpack toys slowly, giving the kids a Christmas-like feel as you unpack. I like that. (laughs) So this is like one of my favorite things. I don't unpack all their toys. Mm -hmm. So I leave a few in boxes. And then um, when they're kind of getting tired of their toys, my kids get really tired of their toys easily. Maybe. I don't know. So I will be like, okay, we'll put everything up. And then I'll get out a new box. And you would think it was Christmas morning because they're like, oh. Where did this? There's Charlotte. Where's Charlotte? But, you know, they're bringing out all their new toys and, and are new to them yeah. for the moment toys. You know, so it's just, it's fun for them. And so I think even, honestly, I've, I've heard um, other moms say even when they don't, when they're not moving, they just put some of their kids' toys in bins mm-hmm. and then they just pull them out at different times. Yeah. I knew a mom rotate, that rotate, she would toys. rotate for the day. Oh, wow. So she had all these different bins, Monday through Friday bins, and, like, kept it in a closet. And Monday's toys she would bring out. And, like, then they just cleaned them all up and put them back in the bin and put them away. And then Tuesday's toys. I was like, that is the smartest thing ever. Uh, That's pretty great. We're just constantly cleaning all the most annoying little teeny McDonald's toys all the time. (laughs) And Legos. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that was not me. I was not that organized. And um, I think it works really well when you have close together young kids that season. Yes. Because they're all playing with the same kind of things. That is really nice. That is really nice. And and going back to the one right before that you said getting your family room. So I talked about the kitchen, but also the living room. That just seems to be the kitchen and our living room are the places where our families are the most. And so I... That's actually like one of my favorite things to do is when we've moved, I try to get my living room Mm. all set up, even like a few pictures on the wall. And so like, I feel like I can like picture moments in each house we moved into. Patrick will like go out with the kids or whoever's helping me. I'll have them take out the kids and I like put the couch on one end and the lamps and I hang up like maybe our big pictures or something. Mm -hmm. And then they come home and there are boxes everywhere, but our little living room, it's like a little, a little beacon of hope. It's like a little, this is what's coming guys. Trust me. It's coming. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Those are good tips. And see well, that com- so. it only comes from having done it a lot. Well, I have done it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it so many different ways. One of my favorites was when I went to work. Some men came into my home and packed everything up. And then we showed up in San Francisco and they showed up with the trucks and they unpacked everything. Like put things in their places? Like just put them out and put them away. And we didn't have that much oh. yet. So it was awesome. Like that was that- easy. It's like the that easy button awesome. staples. That was easy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I cannot, we can never move. I have to, I have to live here the rest of my life right now because this is the house we've brought four kids home to and just fill it up with a lot of junk. So we just can never move. We're going to have to well, live here forever. <laughs> but I hope that that is what it is. I know. I'm going to say that. We're like going to have to move tomorrow. I don't know. I know. I know. But I think that, you know. There was a part of me that when we'd been in Dallas for a while, I was like, Bruce, I just want to move. Like, I want to start over and do something fun. Like, let's go. Like, when you are used to that moving, that that becomes your story, and then you don't, then there's a little bit of an identity of like, wait, I thought we moved all the time. Now we got to keep up relationships again? This is hard. Yeah, this is this is real. This is this hard is like, work. This is for real. <laughs> this is hard. Work. It's a different hard, and and so there is there is that. I guess that'll be a different show when you never move. Yeah, <laughs> when you're yeah, stuck with the same people. <laughs> wow, Kristen. Okay, any last tips? But I think you just so much wisdom. This is oh. awesome. I'm so excited for Jenny to hear everything you have to share. So oh, great. Well, so well, great. Thank you. Well, the only other wisdom I would say um, is on, you know, and I, I wanted to, I meant to mention this in my um, introduction, but uh, if, if, if I can mention it here, yeah, now, please. I did write um, a book that was released recently called Girl Meets Change, Truths to Carry You Through Life's Transitions. And it really is chock full of um, practical ideas um, for helping women be able to maneuver the change in their life. And it really meets them at the intersection of their anxiety with God's sense of purpose that he wants to accomplish through the change. Um, it, it includes certainly my stories in it, but it isn't just my story. So if you're not a military wife or have never been a, a military wife, don't think that this book doesn't apply to me. It includes stories from other women um, who have, whose change has looked different from mine, um, whether that be a divorce, a very scary diagnosis, becoming an empty nester. There's um, different, different stories in there of women who have um, maneuvered change and that I think would speak really into any changing circumstance, whether that is you're changing locations physically or just um, just metaphorically. 
such a good resource. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you wrote it because that was a need that we we needed we needed that resource because I think our lives are a lot more transitional than maybe the generation before us and definitely the one before mm-hmm. them. So for sure, yeah. Thank you so much, Kristen. Go enjoy that. She has snow, y'all. There's snow <laughs> right now in her life, and I can't even imagine. We just have lots and lots of rain. So go enjoy oh. that. Do, do your kids even make snowmen anymore? Like, are they just too big for this stuff? Well, you know, we're in Colorado Springs. We don't have a lot of good snowman snow. It's very dry, you know, more more like ski snow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. However, I think this snow is more wet. So if it is, definitely my daughter will, and she will probably rope her brothers (laughs) too. Um, They're not as inclined to go out in the snow as they used to be, but um, my daughter is. And so I have a feeling if it's stickable, then we'll figure out a way to make it stick. (laughs) When it's still like a new thing like snow in november is way more fun than snow in march way more oh fun. <laughs> yes which we have we have snow in april we have yeah. snow in may sometimes yeah. so yeah so yeah it's all fresh and new now and yeah. exciting and, yeah Cha- <laughs> that kind of change change is good right those yes. are exciting oh, changes if it's my idea then ex- you know if i if i like it bring it it's yeah. just kind i don't want that i don't like <laughs> and when it drags on and you're ready yes. for the new thing like you're like sometimes you know Sometimes the same. I don't know. I, yes. I, I like, I haven't moved in a long time. And there's this part of me that's like itchy. Like, yes. huh, I could try something else out. That might be fun. So, oh, yeah. 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 There yeah. is. There is that if you've moved enough. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. well, yeah, you could definitely crave a change. And then you're not getting it. Then, you, then you're, you know, that's another cool that's, kind of change that's a you whole, to deal with. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Well, thank you, Kristen. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, I love chatting with you too, Heather. Thanks for having me. Of course. Have a good day. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, Jenny, thank you for coming on and sharing your story and your tips and your insight. And I just, I think, I think you're great. I think you're great. And I can't wait to hear what advice you get. Yeah. I'm, I'm super, super, super excited. And, um, yeah, thank you for having me. I think it's interesting. I always want to, um, be really vulnerable. And I was telling a friend before I came on that it's funny because I like being vulnerable when I have a, an end, like, oh, and here's how this worked out in the end. Mm. And so it's really hard for me to be vulnerable when I don't have a, like a really pretty bow. So even now in this conversation with you, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I could just like tie it up with a good scripture that, you know, <laughs> God, God does this. And, but, um, yeah, it's really a good practice for me to say, okay, I don't know, and I don't have it figured out right now. So thank you well, um, for giving me that space. Well, and I would say I think you're a pretty positive person. But before we go, I think maybe do you think you can share one, like your hardest part of moving a lot? What is the hardest thing? I know you mentioned concern about your kids and all of that and providing stability. But what has been one of your hardest moments? Hmm. Man, um, you know. I was talking to Patrick about this right before we started just saying like process with me. So I, you know, I need you to talk with me. And, and he reminded, he was like, you know, Jenny, ultimately we've, um, we've decided that, you know, being in the center of God's will is far more important than where we live or who we're around or how often we move. Um, and, and, you know, so that, that is our end goal. Um, but there is, still this stirring in our spirit sometimes. And I think the hardest part and the thing um, that comes up, you know, 
family is huge. Not having our family close and um, that one's that one's tough. Yeah. Um, just not being there as grandparents are getting older, and I'm very close with all of my grandparents who are all still with me. Um, that's really hard. Um, and now thinking that starting Maggie in school. Oh yeah, we hadn't talked about feels that. Feels like a real step. You know, like that's like, oh, okay, that's like a that, that now this is getting real. Mm-hmm. So, family, and then starting that process of schooling, I would say, are the two hardest things so far. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I do think your husband's insight that the goal to be in the middle of God's will is, is where you'll find his comfort and his peace. Mm -hmm. And yes. um, And yet there is a longing and a good longing. Those are, those are good desires to think about your grandparents and wanting to be with them and your daughter and loving her and, and holding all of that, you know, loosely knowing that, that you are following God's will. That's hard. Yes. That's hard. And knowing that what I had doesn't mean what I had growing up doesn't mean that that's what is right for Maggie, Jude, and Trip, or yeah. for even for me and Patrick in this season. Yeah. I love that picture of not gripping it, but having your hands open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And realizing that your kids, this is their story. Yes. You know, this is their story of, of when they tell people, well, you know, my, my dad was a worship leader and we lived in Chicago and all the cool things mm-hmm. they'll get to say. And, and their story doesn't have to be identical to your story, even though yours turned out well. Mm-hmm. Theirs can still turn out well, just, even uh, despite yes. the differences. Yeah. yeah. You are so right. My mom always says it's what you make it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is what you make There's it. There's not one formula Mm-mm. for a happy, healthy kid. Who's pursuing Christ? Thank goodness. Well, the model to that you're following God's will. Like, wouldn't you want that for your kids? Even if it leads them to Africa, even if it leads them far away, hard places. Like, if they're following God's will, that's what we want for our kids. Um, Not a comfort and convenient and easy life. So, and who knows what little people were raised in, right? Yeah. Next, Billy Graham. Who knows? Who knows? Man, 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 man. Very exciting. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny, so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.